wanted to uh, go ahead and start us out with a prayer. Actually, you know what? A couple of announcements first, uh, just in light of uh, what we're heading into. Can anybody tell me what next Sunday is? Does anybody know where it is? Are you sure? What time? <laughs> you guys are on it. Yeah, Easter service is here next Sunday, 10 a.m. We've got an event that uh, is a little new to the South Bay, which takes place a couple days earlier. Can anybody tell me what that is? Amen. Yeah, we're uh, doing a good, good Friday service at the Cultural Arts Center, uh, Friday night, 730, the 22nd. And uh, probably go about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. It's a great time to come together as family. Take a look at the Passion account in uh, the book of Matthew. We're going to show excerpts from uh, the movie The Passion. Take communion together as a family and really celebrate what we have to look forward to come Easter. Amen. So, incredible opportunity to get your friends and family members out here this weekend between the Friday and the Sunday. Let's really have that on our hearts. With that, bow our heads. Father God, I just want to thank you uh, so much for your kingdom. Uh, the music that uh, has been sung so far has really moved my heart, really helped prepare me for the sermon. Uh, I know that uh, probably not too unlike many of us here, and that it's such an incredibly beautiful day today. I, I had to confess during our staff meeting, the idea of playing hooky was definitely uh, something that crossed my mind. Just enjoy that creation that you've given us, Father. But uh, so grateful for the times we have like this, where we can be spurred on by your word. We can really develop deeper relationships, friendships with one another. And ultimately, what it gets down to is preparing the home that we have here on this planet so we can spend eternity with you and the home that you've prepared for us as we walk faithfully with Jesus Christ, as uh, Mark talked about in communion, being bonded with Christ. Father, I love you. So grateful for the servanthood of Jesus, uh, what he demonstrated for us 2,000 years ago, culminating on that cross, but more importantly, rising from the dead because he walked this earth sinless. Father, we thank you for that, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The, uh, my wireless on? Good to go. Amen. Well, uh, as uh, you may recall, our, our uh, segment here for this uh, month was Dream House. We looked at a lot of different things with it. Uh, Marco started us off kind of talking about what we see going on in the world today. You know, is marriage obsolete? And really, uh, with so many disasters that take place out there, because we're not walking with Christ, it's no wonder people were looking for alternatives and different ways of doing things. Brian just did an incredible job for us with uh, Meet the Parents. Uh, I, I know many, I know my heart was moved. I know many of your hearts were moved as he walked through just family situations. Uh, that the story told about his dad had me in tears. Just that his dad would actually take the time to make sure that relationship with his son was strong and moving forward by having the humility to meet him at, we, at uh, school and apologize for the interaction that they had, wanting to make sure Brian had a great day. And just all the little excerpts, uh, the, the uh, little sound bites there of the kids and some of the interaction that the families had, just incredibly moving. And then, obviously, our uh, conference, which want to get that, uh, there we go, back up on the screen, www.liveittogiveit.org. Uh, how many of you have had the opportunity to go to the site so far? few of you. Incredible stuff. They, they've got it set up with the keynote speeches and video. All the other speeches, you, if you've got, how many of you got iPods? They're all set up for podcasts, so you can download it to your iPod. You can listen to it on the way to work. This is a, an incredible am, amount of information there that is so helpful when it comes to our relationships. Amen? With that, um, 
coming off of the conferences, I even even looking at my myself being having a incredibly beautiful 22 year old and my 25 uh, year old son at home. It's amazing how you think you kind of got it dialed in, and there's so much more that I need to repent of, so much more humility I need to embrace, and so much more reliance on the Word and those that God has put in my life. But uh, just grateful for the way the church really takes care of our needs. You know, just we're all home builders, right? Teens, you guys home builders? That's right. We got somebody up here that's uh, paying attention. Singles, we we home builders? Okay, marrieds, you, you got to show them how to do it, okay? Marrieds, are you guys home builders? Yeah, yeah baby, that's what I'm talking about. Come on. You know, we've got to understand what we've got here, you know, all the stuff going on in the real estate market, you know, people buying homes, flipping homes, you know, you get your starter homes, and it's all a matter of trying to either get more or get bigger. And, you know, as Christians, it's so incredible because this is our starter home right here. And what we do here determines what we're going to be able to flip it into when we die. I don't know about you, man. I don't want that bargain basement thing where there's heating issues. I want the, the, the place that's got the AC going on with the incredible view and all that good stuff. Amen? Well, you know, with that, maybe. Okay. Uh, there we go. Dream house. Number one. I've got three things we're going to look at today. The first one is house, a house. A house is not a home, right? Second thing we're going to look at is a home. The third thing we're going to look at is heaven. Amen? So we're going to go ahead and start it out with a house. What's house look like? Well, it's, it's true. It's just that. It's a structure. Uh, definition right here, a building in which people live, residence for human beings. Now, even the definition, doesn't it kind of sound a little sterile? A residence for human beings to live in. I don't know about you, that didn't excite me a whole lot. Here's a house. Oh, that's... Where's Brian at? You messing with me? <laughs> Not the house I'm looking for. Okay, we got, we got a house here. Kind of falls within the realm of the structure that we, we heard about, right? I mean, you know, flooring looks kind of nice, but aside from that, unless you're into sleeping on wood floors or sitting on wood floors, doesn't really look all that comfortable, right? You know, with that, just kind of thinking through the whole housing thing, the structure, it's very reminiscent of my life before I became a Christian. Looked real nice on the outside. Uh, I remember our starter home in uh, Ontario, uh, you know, our first entry into the real estate market. It was a little townhouse that... Uh, it's about 1,200 square feet. Cost us $101,000. And um, the yard, it had a yard, but the yard was so small, my son on one occasion at the age of five was on the swing set. And, uh, you know, you know you, how many of you guys get those swing sets cranking? You know, you, you, you think in your head as a kid, man, if I get this going fast enough, I'm going to be able to loop over the top of this thing, man. Well, I don't know if that's what was going through Stephen's head or not, but he got it cranking. All of a sudden, I hear him yelling, help me, help me. I go in the backyard, which, needless to say, there wasn't any place to hide. It was pretty small. He had swung over the fence. (laughs) That's how big the yard was. 
They say, I, I, I got up over the top, I looked down, and he's all panicky, I reached down over, pulled him back up. But, you know, and then, uh, you know, you buy, you buy that starter home with the fact that you're looking to do what? Trade up, baby, get something bigger. And I was so excited about our second house. This one was in Jackie's belly at the time. I'm sorry, that's probably embarrassing, huh? <laughs> but uh, Jackie was pregnant with Shailene at the time that we entered into escrow. And um, we ended up moving into Chino Hills. Man, I love this place. It was so cool. It had a, uh, it was uh, about two and a half times the size, 2,800 square feet, much bigger yard. Stephen couldn't swing out of it. And the thing that was really cool is you had the master bedroom upstairs at one side, and all, the, there were two bedrooms at the other and a bedroom downstairs, and it was like an atrium. The walls, there was more glass than there were uh, walls. And there was a bridge from one end of the house to the other, which was, was super cool. And again, on the outside, we looked like we had it sewed together. I was in the automobile industry. Uh, I was a team leader at Santa Monica Ford at the time, making more money than I'd ever made, new cars all the time, whatever I wanted in the way I used cars. And again, it looked great on the outside. But prior to that position, Jackie and I had been separated. We both stepped outside of the marriage, committed adultery. And honestly, I think the only reason we lasted to the point in time that we were met was our schedules were so incredibly demanding. She worked in the uh, clothing industry. Uh, she'd been managing Nordstrom's for a while. She moved into uh, a manufacturing firm, was helping them out down at the uh, CalMart in L.A., and uh, she was on the freeway commuting from Chino Hills to L.A. You leave the house about 6 in the morning. I didn't have to be at work most mornings until 11, so didn't see her in the morning. I'd get home most nights, 10, 10, 30, 11. Didn't see her at night. And we, we managed to keep the, the I think that's the only, the only reason the marriage stayed together. But, again, that, that was a house. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot going on there. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't good. We just barely, basically tolerated each other. And it was all just the chase, the rat race. I kept throwing the ladder out, climbing the ladder of success, better job, more money, you know, next house, thinking through all those things. I mean, I remember getting into our house, and it was like, man, they had these Warmington homes up there that were really even nicer than what we had. It's like, okay, I wonder, you know, we'll, we'll be able to think that in the next year or two. But, you know, it's like every time you get that ladder out there and you get to the top, I don't, I don't know about you, it wasn't satisfying for me. Because there was always another set of rungs that you had to put out. You had to keep climbing. Same, it was the same thing when it came to the job. You know, what's next? What's next? How am I going to make more? What's going to go on? How I can get to the next level? The money. Same thing. It was never good enough. And in the interim, I'm destroying the relationship with my kids because I was a terrible father. No patience. Verbally abusive, mentally abusive, bordering on being physically abusive, just all kinds of, all kinds of pent up rage. So again, on the outside, it looked good, but it was nowhere near what God has had in store for us. Definition of a home, a house, apartment, or other shelter that is the usual residence of a person, family, or household. Not quite as sterile, a little bit better, right? Now, does that look familiar? Same exact room you were looking at a minute ago. Which of the two would you like to live in? And you know, and this is what we've got going on when it comes to God and what God has in store for us. You know, just as a, the situation with our house being empty, that was also the spiritual condition of our dwelling as well. 
If you turn with me to Deuteronomy 6. You know, when you build a home, it's got to start with the foundation, from the foundation up, correct? And I, I know we heard this a lot at the conference, but I think it bears repeating because it's such an incredible passage when it comes to who we are as human beings, who we are before God. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 reads, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be put upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on, the fore, on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Incredibly important passage. You know, Mark talked about, again, being bonded with Christ. Part of that bond is having the Word bonded on our hearts. And making sure that, obviously, within our sphere of influence, within our household, that we're helping our children understand these concepts and that we're talking about them all the time. And coming off the conference, I was really convicted and that I've got two adults living with me. Well, actually, three with my wife. But, but with that, why not continue this? And, you know, there aren't a lot of spiritual conversations at the dinner table when we sit down together. There, there are those talks, but I, I really felt, I'm coming away from this convicted with the need to really go after this so much more aggressively. Continuing with the, the building of that foundation, in Matthew 7, verse 24. Again, it's a passage that we're familiar with, but it's something that we really need to embrace and bring to others as well. Amen? It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. You know, I look back at our, the early house that we were building. It was almost destroyed because of the foundation that it was built on which was nothing more than my opinions, my attitudes, things that I thought were right or wrong, with absolutely no consideration for what God had in store for me in my life. You know, at the end of this passage, it talks about how the crowd realized that Jesus was one who had authority. You know, an authority is something that doesn't necessarily fire us up a whole lot. Most of you in agreement with that? But, you know, there is a place for it. Authority is defined as the power to determine... Uh, adjudicate or otherwise settle issues or disputes, jurisdiction, the right to control, command, or determine. You know, Jesus has the right to have authority in our lives. And we need to make sure that we've got the right plan. We have to build right. You know, when you build a home, what do you have to do? Got to get plans? What do you have to do with the plans? Got to get them approved. Once they're approved and you build the home, what happens through the process? It's inspected. And you know, it's the same thing when it comes to our life in Christ. It's no different. As you sit here today, are you built to code? Are you built to code? You need to think about it. If not, guess what? Those plans need to be corrected. 
Let's go ahead and continue here. John 17. In verse 1. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. You know, what do we see here in verse 2? It says, authority was given to him over everyone. Now, that, that authority would apply to who? It means all of us. He has authority over all of us. Ultimately, who's going to judge all of us? Singles, who who has authority over you? Jesus Christ, right? Teens, who's got authority over you? We're going to give you another shot here. Come on! Marrieds, who's got authority over you? Jesus Christ. Our eternity rests in his hands. Now, what does it say? says, for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life. What does that mean? Is there the possibility that he might not? And really understanding how important it is for us to make sure that we're building to spec. You know, how many of you get, let me see everybody hold up your Bibles. Those of you that brought them. Guess what this is? This is the spec book. All the codes are right there. In those Bibles. And you know, most of us are familiar with a lot of the building codes. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Jesus starts this one out by what? Letting people know that this is the greatest command. To first and foremost love God, and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And understanding that, making sure that's something that takes place in our lives. Mark 1, 14 through 18, Jesus called the guys to do what? Follow him. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the calling is to go and make disciples of all nations, but it doesn't stop there. There's the need for us to continue to teach one another to obey what Christ established. Luke 9, 23 through 26, the need to deny self, not a concept First and foremost in America, that we're fired up about it all. Because what does what is America teach us to do? What does the media teach us to do? Anything but. I mean, there are websites that are encouraging people to have affairs. I mean, that's what they're called. I mean, it's just crazy. So, man, you know what? You're not happy with what you got? Buy something else. You're not happy with what you got? Trade it in on something else. Not happy with your spouse? Find another one. Not happy with your gender? Hey, or the opposite gender? Find someone within the same gender. You're not happy. Cash it all in. There's something better out there. And it is a lie. It is Satan's lie. John 13, 34, 35. Jesus again got people's attention. A new command I give you. To do what? Love one another. As what? He has loved us. And what an incredible demonstration of love. I mean, his willingness to die for me when I was at my worst. To die for my anger. To die for my adultery. To die for my deceit, my lies. To die for the way I treated my wife. To die for the way that I treated my kids. What an incredibly loving Savior. And we get attitudes in the fellowship because, well, I don't really like that guy. we got a personality conflict. That, that sounds like it's built the code, right? 
I don't think so. Matthew 10, verse 37. To love God more than anyone or anything else. And it's amazing. You know, and I really want to lift up the singles. You guys do an incredible job when it comes to the love that you have for each other, protecting each other, and I think most importantly, waiting on God when it comes to your purity, looking for a spouse, whatever it is that you're involved with, I think it's absolutely commendable the way you guys live your lives. It's awesome, amen? I think with the teens, I can't even begin to imagine being on campus and maybe having one, two, three other peers, maybe not even having any Christian friends, any other disciples at that school, but being willing to take a stand. That is phenomenal. That is awesome. With all the pressure that's out there, that at this age, you guys made a stand and made Jesus Christ Lord of your lives. That's awesome. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 3. I think this probably applies to the marrieds more than anything because so many of us have got so much garbage and baggage and different things that we had going on in the world prior to becoming disciples, barring those that got married within the kingdom, but having the humility, whatever the age, to realize, you know what, i got to tap out, man. I'm done. I've been doing it my way. My way doesn't work. And having that childlike heart realize, you know what, I've been wrong all these years. I have been wrong. But I want to do the right thing for me. I want to do the right thing for God. And I want to do the right thing for my family. And then ultimately Acts 2.36, where it says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Would you pass inspection? You know, God establishes proper roles for us in our marriages, right relationships between children and their parents. Jesus is Lord. Humility, love, forgiveness at home and in the church. Jesus is Lord. Proper boundaries in our dating relationships. Pure relationships that glorify God. Jesus is Lord. Awesome friendships in the kingdom. Where we're real with one another. We're open with one another. We're vulnerable with one another. And we still love each other through it all. Jesus is Lord. Students excelling in the classroom. Jesus is Lord. You know, I can tell you if Jesus is Lord of your life. I know some of you are thinking here right now. Yeah, right. Open up your planner, your PDA, your phone, whatever it is that you plan out your weekend. Remember where you were as a young Christian and what filled it. Take a look at what fills it now. What's going on? Are your kids' sports more important than having a decent relationship where you come home and spend time with each other, get those meals together, impress what God has in store for them in their lives? Or is everything else choking out the kingdom? So I can tell you by looking at your planner, who's Lord of your life. When it comes to your checkbook, I can tell you who's Lord of your life. Where's the bulk of the goal? Are you more concerned with that 60-inch flat screen than you are promoting God's church, God's kingdom, here and around the world with projects like Hope and otherwise? Might sting a little bit. But you know what? Take a look at what we've just gone through scripturally and ask yourself, 
do I really measure up? Would I, would I be up to code? And realize, you know what, you need to be grateful if you're not because you got time. You're here right now. There's this, this concept called repentance. Metanoia, mind change. And that's what's so awesome. That's what I love about the kingdom. That's what I love about our church. I love discipling. Because you know what? I'm kind of a bonehead. I'm kind of a hardhead. Sometimes it takes somebody smacking me upside the head to understand that, you know what, bro? You need to flat change here. You're in sin. You're wrong. You need to humble out. And then to get the scriptures to back it up so I can say, okay, you're right. I'm grateful for that. That wouldn't happen on in the world. That wasn't happening in the world. You know, when I was separated from my wife, all my so-called friends, bro, come on, man, come party with me, dude. I got this chick I can set you up with. I got this person I can set you up with. Man, come on, this is, man, you don't need her. That's the advice you get in the world. Am I right? Let's go ahead and continue here. The thing we need to understand is if Jesus, Jesus needs to be Lord of all. If Jesus is not Lord of all, or Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord of all. And we need to be surrendered in that. We need to understand how important it is to have Christ in our life on that level. Amen? Matthew 12, verse 43. You know, we've got to be careful because we can drift. We saw that empty house earlier, right? And then we saw the furnished home. Well, as Christians, we get in there, we can kind of clean things up, and we lose sight. We can start to lose sight of Christ. We can start to drift, and before we know it, that house is cleaned out and empty, and Jesus deals with it right here in Matthew 12, verse 43. It says, When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and it takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with the wicked generation. Keep in mind that shot that we saw of those two homes. We can, we can get to the point where we feel like we've got this all dialed in. Eh, I don't need to really read my Bible much anymore. I, I've been around a long time. I know what the Bible says. I know the passages. Besides, you know, when it comes to the church, man, I, I just got a problem with authority. You know, I, I just don't like people pointing stuff out. Well, you know, again, guys, better now. Me personally, I'd much rather have it pointed out now than to get on up there and say, well, hey, remember this, 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 and this? I wasn't Lord of your life. I don't even know who the heck you are, man. No AC for you. Bargain basement. This is home. Amen. I'm so grateful today because of God's church, Jesus Christ, discipling through the years that I have. Well, can't see it up there. I can see it here really good. My daughter Shailene's on the left, that's me next to her, my son Stephen, and then Jackie. But you know what, I wouldn't have that today. I mean, at the very best, I might be trading weekends with somebody else. And I'm so grateful that God gave me the ability to get my household in order. Amen? Jesus remains the Lord of our house. Turn with me, uh, well, actually, you don't need to, it's up on the screen. Book of Habakkuk. You know, I think one of the other things that Satan can use to kind of mess with our heads... Uh, we've got some friends we've been reaching out to for a number of years now, and they're in the real estate market. Uh, they've gone through all their savings, and I mean, they're very frugal, very responsible people. But you know, this this thing's been going on now for four or five years, and uh, we got in this conversation with them over lunch the other day. And it's like, well, you know, man, I, I'm praying to God, and 
man, I, I just I just feel cursed. What's going on? And the reality of it is, we talked about it. It's like, you know, look, man, you're not seeking God with all your heart. He ain't some genie where, you know, oh, come on, baby, come on. I know you can hook me up here, God. Give me that sale. That's not what it's about. You know, it's about making Jesus Lord of life. And that what we've got here, you know, you can have various degrees of comfort here, but the bottom line is it all is going to burn. And I love this passage in Habakkuk 3. There was a brother that was uh, part of our campus ministries years ago. This was his anchor scripture, and it's definitely become one of my favorite through time, especially the, the times that aren't so good. <laughs> Habakkuk 3, verse 17 says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the, on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in my pen and no cattle in the stalls, this guy got some issues, man. There ain't a whole lot of good going on here, is there? He says, yet I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And you know, this is the thing that's key. Why is he joyful? Who does God represent to him? God my Savior. That's awesome. I mean, this is Old Testament this guy had it dialed in. It says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on to the heights. You know, how I personally deal with situations in life will show me whether or not Jesus is Lord of my life. Remember those uh, the uh, three amigos, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? And they had this situation they were faced with being thrown in a furnace. And uh, you remember what they said to the king? King's ticked off. He's not worshiping them. They're, they're only wanting to worship God. And they're like, you know what? As for us, we're going to worship God. And the thing that was so convicting about it was like, you know what? You can throw us in the fire. Our God will save us. But you know what? Whether he saves us or not, we're still going to worship God. That's the heart right there, right? I mean, that's awesome. I know for me, when it comes to life, I need to be happy no matter what. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. I need to be content no matter what. Because Jesus is Lord. I need to be faithful no matter what. Because Jesus is Lord. Joyful, loving, kind, at peace, no matter what. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, I mess up with Him a lot. But I'm, gl- I'm grateful that I've got people that, that point it back out to me. You know, guys like Owen Thomas, Jim Malin, Calvin Johnson... Henry, Marco, I mean, the list goes on and on. If you see something in me, talk to me about it. I, I, I appreciate people that are willing to take the time. To not just say, hey, bro, how you doing? But, you know, bro, kind of watching your interaction there, man. You doing all right? And then not taking my, my pet, oh, yeah, I'm doing fine, bro, as an answer. And, you know, kind of getting there and prodding and pushing a little bit to really get the reality out there. But this needs to be who we are. And what are those? Galatians 5, fruits of the Spirit. You know, teens, awesome thing here. You die faithful, guess what? You get to trade up. You get to trade up. Singles, you die faithful, God's got so much more in store for you. Same thing with the marrieds. You get to trade up. Don't worry about the fixer-upper now. God's got something so much better in store. That brings us to heaven. Amen. Yay. says, the abode of God, the angels, and the spirits of the righteous after death, the place or state of existence of the blessed after the mortal life. This is, a, this is out of a Webster's Dictionary. I mean, man, I got this on pretty good. This is pretty cool here. That's an awesome definition. 
Isn't that what we all want? The home and body makeover. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 44. 1 Corinthians 15. I'll wait for you to get there because that one's not on the screen. Give me an amen when you're there. First Corinthians 15, verse 44, reads, Now Paul's talking about the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the natural body versus the spiritual body. And in verse 44, it picks up with, It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, who's being talked about there? Jesus Christ, a living spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we are born the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Isn't that encouraging? We're going to bear the likeness of Jesus Christ. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now, where did Paul hear that come from? Remember that little guy, Nick and Knight? The interaction in John 3 that he was having with Jesus? This is exactly what Jesus was talking about. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Let me say that again. Death will be swallowed up in victory. I mean, isn't that what, don't we want a victorious death? I mean, you know, I, I, I love doing funerals of people that have died faithful. It is such an incredible celebration. Knowing that this person stuck it out through thick and thin. And you guys all know someone, probably most of you know someone like this. And you, you have the life to look at. You know what they endured. But what an incredible celebration for them. And for us, knowing that, hey, they're waiting for us if we continue to build the code. Amen? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, what does an extreme makeover look like? This gives you kind of a little bit of insight here. Christ calls it his father's house, John 14. It's called paradise. I don't know about you guys. Any of you get away on vacation to some place that you look at as paradise? I mean, I've been to Cabo. I've been to uh, Puerto Vallarta. I mean, I loved some of the beaches down in Mexico. I'm not in a rush to get down there these days with all that's going on. But anyway, how much more so a paradise where you go and you're saved. You don't have to worry about anything but how awesome it is. The heavenly Jerusalem, the kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom, the eternal inheritance, the better country. That's what God has in store for us in heaven. Actually, I think there's a couple more here. Or maybe not. Survey says. 
Guess not. Okay, well, let me, let me go ahead and continue here in Revelations 21. Just give you a little bit more insight here. Revelations 21, verse 1. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So it kind of gives us a view of what we're going to experience from a standpoint of some of the emotional things that we can go through on earth. But then he goes into, in verse 19, just the incredible beauty. Which, when you listen to this, and you think about things that you view as beautiful, this, this has got to be absolutely overwhelming. It says, The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. I mean, you know, think about all the beautiful jewelry you've ever seen, and then imagine these walls just coated with nothing but precious stones. And that's just this building. Imagine that in heaven. It says the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was all of pure gold, like transparent glass. I didn't see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of all the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know about you, I want to be written in that book. Amen? You know, heaven, guys, we've got to understand, and I, I don't think we really talk about it enough, heaven will be so worth it. You know, I love uh, some of the writings from the early Nicene, Nicene Fathers, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, Hebrews 11 and 12. You know, when it just talks about what those that have gone before us were willing to endure to get to heaven. What those that have gone before us, even in this generation, I mean, we look at what goes on overseas in some of our foreign nations. It's challenging to be a Christian. But how so much so is it worth it? No more mourning. No more tears. No worrying about how you're going to pay next month's bills. No worrying about anything. And you know, and there is so much that we have to contend with today. We have to make sure that we're living Christ-like, that our marriages reflect Christ, that we're, as parents we're exemplifying that for our children. And it is challenging. No one negates that. But you know, we, we look at that great crowd of witnesses in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12. And most, most of us have been to sporting events, right? 
You know how the crowd gets all going when your team's doing what you want it to do? And just think about this for a moment. Just imagine the cheer that's going to resound as you cross that line into heaven. You know, we got a little bit of it earlier. I mean, the marriage really cranked it on out. I, I, I want to try that again. Just kind of see where you guys are at, okay? We'll start with the marriage, and the rest of you guys, if you think you can take it on over the top, and teens, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage here, so I'm not going to give you any grief. But marriage, what's that going to sound like when we cross the gates into heaven? Let me hear it. Come on, baby. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, singles, you guys ready? Why don't you stand up? We'll give you a little bit of an advantage here. Okay, let me hear it. What's it going to sound like, singles? Come on. Not bad. Not bad. Jason, I think you almost popped a vein there, man. (laughs) Teens, you guys want another shot? Okay, why don't you guys stand on up? What's it going to sound like? Oh my Well, I guess there's a reason they call you guys the mighty teens. Come on. Well, the reality of it is we stand here today, guys. We're all working on the fixer upper. But instead of trying to flip it for a profit, we need to flip it for Christ. Amen. Jesus will let us know if we're up to code. And if we are, we have eternity with all those that have gone before us. All those that are going to be so near and dear to our hearts, if we impart the word to them, we give them the opportunity to become disciples, we bring them on into the kingdom, and there's going to be this incredible celebration when we get there. You know, we've got so many that have yet to hear the good news. You know, the emphasis coming off the conference was from generation to generation. Parents, prayerfully there were decisions that were made coming off the conference. For those of you that didn't attend, it's free on the website. Get on it. Let's make some decisions as to what we can change. One, to make our marriages awesome. So we are a light to a lost world. But you know, even more so, part of that lost world is our children. How much more so should we be a light to them? Singles, same thing applies. Teens, same thing applies. Really understanding what it is that you're building here. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, let us not drift from the commitment we made in the waters of baptism when we made Jesus Lord. If you're not a disciple, or not quite sure what a disciple of Christ is, hold up those Bibles again. Guys, the plan's right there. Everything you need to know to make sure you're building the code is right there. And you know what? we got some great spiritual contractors in this group that can help you get it done. Amen? What I'd like to do right now is I'd like to close with a video that gives us some insight as to how powerful and creative our Father in Heaven is and what we have to look forward to when Jesus says, Move the bus. Amen?